everyone, that was uh, Alone in the Chaos, as always, with our intro music. Welcome to the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is February 26th, 2014. I'm your host, Robert Ring. With me, as always, are Jay Totoro. Hi. And, uh, what, Jake, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Metal Gear Solid for Life? That's it. Metal <laughs> Gear Solid for Life. No, uh, that's that's the other guy. A.K.A. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's me. That's it's me. Yeah, the man. other guy is Blake Corey. Hey, how you doing? Ooh, I'm pretty good. Well, <laughs> <Wow. laughs> Joey Tribbiani in here. <laughs> so, uh, yep. Let's start off with news, as as usual. Not a whole lot of news this time. I was uh, gonna say. Yeah. Actually, really, I've only got one thing, which is the. Um, have you guys seen, heard about, or watched any of this? The, uh, Twitch plays Pokemon. Oh. Yeah, dude, it's fascinating. Holy crap. Have it really it? is. Like, I don't like watching it, but I think it's fast. Like, I, I tune in for, like, 15, 30-second increments, but I just really love how many people are watching it, man. It's so, just a massive social experiment. That's all it is. Yeah, so this guy has the original Pokemon on uh, Game Boy. He's basically hooked it up to, like, an emulator. And to, he, he's hooked it up to, like, from my understanding is he's actually running the Game Boy version. Uh, it's, it's not an emulated version. But he has it hooked up to where uh, he, he's streaming it on Twitch, and it takes input from his Twitch chat. Yep. So if somebody says right, then it pushes the right button once. And then once that move is complete, then it takes like the next uh, input that it sees, which you know it, it might be start or A or B or select or up or down or whatever. Uh, and then it does, and it performs that action in the game. So, so that's how it was the first couple days, which was the anarchy. Uh-huh. And then, did you see the recent update he did to it? Well, now it goes back and forth between anarchy and democracy. Yeah, exactly, depending on votes and stuff like that. Yeah, which, it, it's it's really interesting to see it kind of, all of a sudden, like, it'll just go straight, it'll be, like, um, really nice and calm, and all of a sudden you'll see, like, <laughs> 500 people say anarchy at once, and then it just, like, dips to the left, and then they lose all progress. Didn't it? Didn't it make it to the last boss, like, a couple days ago? Uh, I saw it fighting Surge. Uh, they finished the eighth gym today, or last night. I saw them kill Surge. I thought Surge was one of the last ones. Uh, Surge was, like, the third or fourth. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. I think Giovanni is the eighth gym leader. Okay. So, like, on Anarchy mode, it just takes the next input that it sees, but on Democracy mode, it, like, takes, like, whatever is getting the most votes. Yeah. And it kind of goes, like, even, and then even whether it's anarchy or democracy, that's a vote. So, like, people are typing, typing anarchy or democracy, depending on what they want it to be, and then they're typing all these commands. And, of course, like, probably, it's, the, the viewership is probably pretty much split 50-50 between trolls and people who actually are trying to, like, do good in the game. So, like... The game, it's like it's really funny just watching it because the guy will just like kind of like walk up and then down and then left and then right and <laughs> up and then down and then like pause 15 times in a row, navigate the menu system a little bit. They kept um, renaming Pokemon over and over and over when it, like a couple nights ago. Oh, really? They got it on energy mode <laughs> and they were just renaming all the Pokemon and deleting all the good ones and just like <laughs> it was so funny. The thing is, like you say, it's 50 50. But we got to take into account: is there seventy-five thousand to one hundred twenty-five thousand people in this, and probably like ten percent of that's actually talking in chat. I would say maybe. Yeah. But it's just so many people. So many people. Uh, it's, it's yeah. It's been consistently like ninety thousand or and up. Right now, it's I'm actually watching it right now. It's at forty-three thousand. 
Um, whoever the, the whoever's doing so the person doing this is anonymous. It's at twitch.tv slash uh, Twitch plays Pokemon. If you want to check it out, and who knows if it'll still be running or if they might you know restart it to a new game. But yeah, they're throwing away like really good Pokemon, just like all this ridiculous stuff's happening. But at the same time, they're like right now the the game is like really it's a, they're actually the the game is almost they're they're about to beat it. Uh, it's been playing. Whoever's doing this is making shitloads of money. I have a feeling off of. Uh, he like said he's old. not. He said he said as of right now he could if he wanted to. Huh? He 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 posted something about it. Like he said he he just programmed it in like fifteen minutes because he was just bored. Uh-huh. And then he's just like slowly adding stuff to it, but he said he could make a lot of money off of it if he really wanted to, just by adding advertisements or partnering with Twitch. But I don't think he has as of yet. Oh, he's, oh, he's partnered be... with a sub button. Oh, is he now? Okay. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. So it's so it's like consistently had you know ninety thousand viewers. It's been going on for fourteen days straight now. Uh, the the total views count right now is at almost uh, thirty one and a half million. It's like LCS right there. That's insane. Yeah. So uh, this is this is really interesting and and pretty pretty amusing. So uh, check that out. I don't know if it's still gonna be uh, going by the time uh, this podcast is up, but it's uh, but you but you can at least find the videos. So uh, check that out. I think that's all the news. So you guys said you don't y'all don't have anything this time. I have nothing to rage about. EA uh, didn't do anything this week. One thing. <laughs> uh, we talked about it. It was ending like the day after our uh, previous podcast. Uh, Unsung Story, which oh. we talked about a few times on the podcast, did manage to make its goal of six hundred thousand uh, dollars. I broke it by sixty thousand extra, but it didn't hit any of its stretch goals. Um, I don't know how I feel about it right now. I mean, I guess I'm happy that it got made, that it met its goal, and it's going to get made. But like we were saying, it looks kind of shaky and kind of iffy. Um, I went ahead and checked out the stretch goals, though, and they don't have uh, Hitoshi Sakamoto, the composer, listed as any of the stretch goals, except for the one <coughs> where he puts on a live concert. Hmm. So, so they I don't know if they changed it, if he's just a part of the team now, or if they just took his name off of the $2 million stretch goal, okay. which says full orchestra recording of the soundtrack and bonus music soundtracks. I don't know which if he's just on there now or if he's part of the two million thing. But yeah, so that got funded and I guess I will look into it more as it gets made. Ooh, I'm so excited, man. I want to play it so bad. I I just hope it's good. I don't want to get my yeah. hopes up. Because I, well it, that I don't want to get disappointed, which is what our top three list happens. Today. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that last time. So yeah, that's, so hang around because uh, our top three list after we talk about the games we've been playing is uh, our top three gaming disappointments. So what's interesting though is like the, out of all the Final Fantasy uh, tactics like uh, sequels, this is the only one that I've really like looked at and been like, this could actually be a good thing. Like, I don't know if you played a lot of the, the extra ones, but they were all just not even close to the same thing. Not, it wasn't yeah, even, they're very it was like they're different games. Yeah. And we should, we should make it clear. This actually, this isn't technically a final fantasy sequel or anything like that, but it's basically, it's like a, a spiritual, it's the, newest, it's the closest thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. There's been um, a number of spiritual successors in the past, but this is the newest one. 
So I don't know if you guys saw this a couple days ago, though. Actually, I was talking about EA just a couple seconds ago. So they apparently released Sims 4. Did you guys hear about this at all? Oh, yeah, I heard about this. No. <laughs> Have you seen the comparison picture? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so all, I, all I saw for it, because I only read a few minutes of it, because it was just EA and EA being EA. But essentially, Sims 4 came out, and the graphics are, by comparison, worse than they were in the third one. <laughs> yeah. like, you, have to, you have to pay to get better graphics? Yeah. It's, yeah, that'll it's, be DLC later on. High-res yeah, textures. It's free to play, and you, if you pay, you get extra. I think every week we're going to have shit to talk about EA, to be honest. Oh, uh, actually, there is something that I forgot. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. Gog, for like a day oh, or two, about yeah. a week ago, uh, had the original Dungeon Keeper for free. Yeah. You just straight up downloaded it for free. And that was actually um, a deal. That was actually EA doing that, which is kind of interesting. Really? I didn't know that. I thought yeah. that was Gog. I thought it was like... just straight up Gog doing it as well, but then in the... Uh, I, I was reading about it, and that was actually EA's decision to do that, which is really... At first, I thought, wow, this is really, uh, like, God... They gotta pull their asses out of the fire somehow. Yeah. That's what I think happened. What I thought at first was, this is halfway a slap in the face, but also, like, showing that, you know, try, try, trying to get people to realize that the original Dungeon Keeper is a good game, unless, you know, you know for all the people who maybe the iOS version was their first experience with it, uh, you know, and then ultimately that would help their sales if they kind of just get that out there. So, so. but apparently it was EA doing it. Um, wow. You know, I don't know what, I don't know why. There's, there, you could speculate a hundred different yeah, plausible exactly. reasons why. But anyway, that 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 happened, which was, uh, you know, obviously following yeah, the controversy over how horrible the iOS version sort of pseudo remake was. But the graphics look good though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. That's all that matters. That's, that's about, about all you can say about it. That's <laughs> uh, a good week. Good all right. Week. Oh, oh, and and we'll move on to games. But I also wanted to note that I was when I was watching uh, Twitch plays Pokemon a second ago. Some <laughs> I was looking at the inputs and somebody wrote uh, "do a barrel roll." <laughs> <laughs> all right. You guys ready to move on to games? Do it. Word. Okay. So uh, who wants to go first? Talking about the game. Huh? I went first last time. Robert, you go first. All right, I'll go first. So, uh, my game this week, or these past two weeks, was I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. <laughs> this is uh, a PC game. It came out in 1995. It's a point-and-click adventure. Uh, it's actually based on a short story, and uh, I'm embarrassed to say I don't have the, uh, the author's name nearby, but... Uh, it's a science fiction. It's based on a science fiction uh, short story. It's a very dark story. So, so the premise of "I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream" is uh, that there was <clears throat> there were these uh, three like ultra crazy super supercomputers built. Uh, it was one in the United States, one in China, and one in Russia. And the uh, United States one basically became uh, sentient and uh, more or less, like, went crazy and decided to kill off uh, everybody in the world. And so it, so it just, so, you know, eventually it destroyed the world, except it kept five people alive just, just so that it could torture them for basically eternity. Uh, so there are these five characters who, it, right now, I, I think it's supposed to be, uh, a hundred years after 
after the computer destroyed the world, and it's just kept these people alive and has just been torturing them for a hundred years. It keeps them, Jesus. yeah, it does all this stuff. It, you know, it keeps them alive by how whatever means, but it also it just keeps torturing them the whole time. This was made ninety five, and it's that dark. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's surprising. There was a lot of dark, dark point and click games in the nineties. Really? Oh that. yeah. Like uh, Phantasmagoria two. Uh, oh, Phantasmagoria one was really gory, I think, and yeah. Phantasmagoria two was just weird. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I've never really played them myself, but I've watched some other people play them. I've heard them talked about a lot. Okay. There are some very strange ones. Phantasmagoria one, uh, if I remember correctly, that had like rape in it. Really? Like, that was so, pretty, yeah, that was pretty dark. And of course, that like murder, was messed up. Yeah, it was. I was. I, I actually had that one, and that was like a genuinely scary game just to play. Uh, it was pretty. It was creepy. But uh, so I have no mouth, and I must scream. Um, point click adventure, nineteen ninety five. Horror. <laughs> Horror. Uh, very very dark. So 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 the so there are these five characters. You're you play the five characters. You pick who you want, and then you play that person's story. And it's like them going through a certain kind of torture that the uh, that the computer has has devised for them. And you try to make it through. And uh, and and of course, your your goal is to sort of see if you can see if there's any way these characters can get freed from their endless torment. Uh, so you pick decide which character you want to start with, and then you pick that one, and you play through their story. And then if, once you get done, then there's the four left, and then you you know pick which one you want to do next, and then you play that person's story. So they don't really ever cross paths, except for the sense that they're all sort of ultimately in the same place. They're just going through different types of torture. Uh, now it's as as I said, it's incredibly dark. In fact, it was it was surprisingly dark, even just beyond like the premise. I don't want to give any spoilers, but like. I, I played there. There's a woman, and I I played her story first. And just the places that it went, I was like, "Damn, this is getting this is really some dark stuff." Then when I played, there's this one guy who's like a scientist, and he you find out that he basically used to be like an evil doctor. Uh, I I I'm I should remember this. I don't remember if he was actually like a Nazi experimental doctor or if he or if he was like something that's that's basically Jeez. basically that like the equivalent, like a, like a fictional equivalent to Nazis. But, like, you have to do one act in particular that is, like, seriously fucked up. Um, and he, that, that, that's all I'll say about it. Um, so this game is definitely not afraid to put you in really disturbing situations, make you do really fucked up shit, and, uh, and it's, and it definitely benefits from all that, because it just does not hold back. You, you, there's, there's never the sense that, you know, it's, it's holding back from something that it could be doing, which is, uh, which is, which, which really works in its favor. It, it, you know, it, of course, obviously, if you can handle that kind of stuff, if, if that doesn't bother you. Um, now, so overall, the, the game is good, the feel is good, the, the, the tone is, you know, very bold, but it's got some serious problems. Um, there are some, pro- a couple of the problems are like design related. So like, there was one object at one point of the game. Uh, there was like a statue, and there was a there was like a CD inside the statue, and uh, 
and I could see the CD because when I clicked on like the look at button to look at this little hole in the statue, the the girl would say like something along the lines of, "Oh, there's a CD in there. Uh, there's 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 a disc in there." Um, but if I tried to grab it, she would say, "I can't get that," or you know, it was some generic like, "Oh, I you know, some generic point and click adventure response like, I can't do that or I can't get it," and I didn't know why. Um, so I went to some other, I, and I felt like I needed that. I, I went and did some other things and like made a little bit of progress elsewhere. And then I came back and tried to get it again and randomly she, she could get it then. So there are some <laughs> like artificial things where like it just won't let you do certain stuff. Uh, like I pick up objects. A, oh man, I hate that. I had a similar problem in my game this week. So I know exactly where you're coming from there. Yeah, yeah. It's really annoying. And, and there are other kind of, th- this is like a, there aren't a lot of adventure game, point-and-click adventure games that have done this, but it's a sure sign of like mediocre design in point-and-click adventure games. It's like the classic mediocre thing that if you come across this, you know there's there's a little bit of a problem with the with the with just with the game design. So that was a little bit annoying. Uh, however, what really ruins the game is the fact that it's very buggy, um, and it, it's not buggy in the sense of that uh, like. So, you know, of course, this came out almost 20 years ago. It's not the, like, you know, the 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 version that's made for being able to install on Windows 7 or Windows 8 or whatever. It has nothing to do with that because I, I, I looked into this a little bit, and uh, that was everybody's complaint, like, back in the original... Everything I found people talking about the original game, they said, oh, yeah, it's just so buggy, that ruined it. So so these these bugs were basically... They existed in the game... When it when it first came out originally, they're just kind of built in. So, for instance, some of the more benign ones are uh, there, there were several. This actually happened to me on several different character stories, where supposedly a door would shut and you would be locked in a room, or like in a building or, or something like that. But then, but you could actually freely walk walk outside, walk through the door. <laughs> And the person what the would, hell? <laughs> yeah, and the person would still be talking about like how they're so upset because they're stuck. <laughs> so like this happened. So I said, as I said, I played the, the the girl character. I played her first, and at one point you do something. You're kind of you're like you start off in sort of like in this desert, and you go into like a pyramid sort of structure. And uh, at one point, pretty early on, you do something, and it shuts the door, and she's like, "Oh no, I'm trapped in here forever." And then so I like I clicked on the door and to like that I came in from, and she just walked through it, and I was outside again. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just walked back and forth, and uh, every once in a while she would talk about how, like, how she's stuck, and then I would just walk back outside again, and, like, I was like, all right, well... I was, like, trying to figure out, like, if I didn't understand what was going on, but it quickly became apparent that it was just a straight-up bug. Uh, there was one part where, like, I dug a ditch uh, with another character, and then I would, like, walk off-screen and then come back, uh, and the hole wouldn't be there anymore. But when I hovered over it, if I hovered over that area with the mouse, it would still like reference the hole in the uh, in the heads-up display, and I could still like do things with the hole, but you just couldn't see the hole anymore. So um, these aren't just bugs that you heard about in the game. These are all things that you personally no, ran into. Yeah, I personally ran into these. Oh my god! And you weren't doing it on purpose. No, I wasn't doing it on purpose. That's funny. Um, <laughs> then there was another situation where I was another character, and I like was in this little room, and some guy, like, put, there, there's, like, a guard standing next to it, and he blocked me in. And, uh, you're supposed to, like, figure out what you have to do to get, to get back out, but you could just walk back out. 
So, like, it's really weird that they have this consistent problem with not being able to actually lock you in rooms. Um, now, the kicker was there was one part of the game where I straight up could not get an object that I needed. And I couldn't, it wasn't even like the first, like the, like the CD where, like, it wouldn't let me pick it up. It wouldn't even tell me it was there. And, like, I, I struggled with this and I, like, tried to, like, figure it out. And eventually, like, I couldn't figure out what was going on, so I looked up a, uh, a walkthrough, and it was, so you're you're in this, like, uh, kind of like a diner, and you go to, in, in the bathroom, there's, like, uh, there's something in a urinal. I forgot what it was, but there's something, like, in a urinal that you have to pick, that you have to take out of the urinal. And uh, I clicked, like, look at the urinal, and the guy just talked about how gross it was. I tried to, like, you know, do all the actions that you have with the urinal, and there was, and he, like... It never said anything about the object that was in there. The guy never picked it up. And I, so I just straight up got stuck in the game. Uh, that really? Obvious, yeah. I just, I could not advance because I couldn't get whatever this thing was. Uh, like I said, I don't remember what the object was, but I couldn't get this thing out of the urinal. And so, I, so it, like, the game basically just broke. So uh, so that obviously sucked. I, I did watch uh, playthrough just so I could kind of see how it ended. Luckily, I had played through most of the characters. This there are five of them, and this was the fourth guy that I had played. So I just watched the I just had to watch the ending of his, and then the walkthrough for the other persons, and then there's like a final segment that you have to go through after uh, you do everybody's. But um, yeah, sadly. It, you know, it was a good game. It had a lot of good things about it, but it was just so buggy that it, the, the the bugs, you know, started off just as funny, and then it got a little bit annoying, and then uh, broke the game. So, so that sucks. But um, you know, if you're into these kind of games, there's there's definitely a lot to like about I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Um, but just be prepared if you do buy it, you may end up getting stuck and having to watch uh, YouTube videos of the rest of it to see how it ends. How was the music in the game? Uh, the music was good. It, it was uh, very, very moody, and it fit the the overall feel of the game very well. As you were describing this, all I was thinking of is plumbers wear ties. <laughs> what, what, like, what? Why did? How did this in any way? I don't know because you were talking about how buggy it was, and I was just like picturing that guy talking about plumbers wear ties or whatever it was called. <laughs> plumbers don't wear ties, by the way. That's what it was. Thank <laughs> Which you. is, yeah, it is. That's actually that counts as a classic game. We should, we need to we should need to oh, see if we can put it like oh, an emulator or something. Well, that's what we're doing. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that eventually. Jay, you go next. I am going to talk for a while, and I, I'm i going to try to make voice. myself not talk for too long. <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> so this week I played Populous, um, 1998 Bullfrog game, another Bullfrog wow. game. Have you played you Populous? You all over oh, the shit. Molyneux. Yeah, I yeah. don't... Oh, is, he, is this a Molyneux game? Yeah. Is this a what game? Peter, Peter Molyneux. Molyneux. Who is he? I don't even know the uh, name. He's the guy I'm behind Dungeon Keeper. He did what, sir? He did Dungeon Keeper... Populous, um, and then he went on to do the Fable games. Those are the did he really? Ones. Also, yeah. uh, the Black oh, and, and White black games. And white. Yep. Oh, did he really? I like Black and White as well, actually. I really like Black and White. Um, so, Bullfrog, another Bullfrog game. Um, Populous, one of my favorite games growing up as a child. It's an RTS. Um, they, they call it, like, I think the style actually calls, like, um, RTS God style because of the, the point of view. Yeah, they usually uh, refer to as god games. Yeah, so essentially in the game you play as uh, almost like, you play as a as a god or a 
somebody, a shaman trying to become a god. And so the actual game, you control the shaman mostly, and you also get followers um, that help you like build uh, build cities, and then they train into warriors that you get to use for combat. Um, so the cool thing about the shaman is obviously you get to control it, but as as over time you start learning more and more spells, and so you get to you know uh, there's like a spell that you use on wild men to turn them into your type of guys, and then they join you. You have like fire spells. You can summon a tornado, a volcano. And the, what was really bizarre for a 1998 game, the graphics were honestly really really good. They, there was a lot of detail, like a lot of small detail that you wouldn't expect on a game that's, you know, that old. And it, it ran pretty smooth for how good the graphics were. Um, the, the actual gameplay, like, consists of basically, it's, it's an RTS, so you start out small, you have, like, a couple guys, and then over time you start accumulating. The only resources in the game really are wood, which is available everywhere and it grows everywhere, so it's not, like, hard to get, and mana. Um, uh, I see what to do with that. It's not hard to get. Eh, softwood, hardwood. Um... So mana is the other resource that you get over time uh, based on how good you're doing. And the mana allows you to basically, you like invest the mana to, to get spells. And like every time you invest mana in a spell, then you get to use it again, essentially. And the hard, the more expensive the spell, obviously, the more the longer it takes and such. Um, one of my, like, generally, like, like small things that make this game so good is, I, I honestly don't know this, and I feel like I'm going to be racist saying this, and like somebody's going to yell at me, is the language in it, I think, is completely made up. I'm not sure. <laughs> Because it's obviously not English, so I don't understand it. But all the spells are the, every time you cast a spell, she says a different for a word. She says different phrases. It, like, do you oh, know if it's language yeah. or not? I don't remember. All I can okay. think of right now is Age of Empires two. Oh, did, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of the same. Well, same <laughs> idea with just same idea. gibberish from the characters. Move, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. Oh, what it <laughs> but it's so cool because, like, every time you cast a spell, it's a different word, and the the way that the shaman says it, like, it makes it cooler. And there's certain ones, like the last two spells you get. Um, one of them is volcano, and the other one you summon this god of death that just flies around and just devours people. But both of them, they she says like really cool phrases that just make it even more ridiculously cool. And it's what's even crazy about it is there's I think there's four races in the game. I'm trying to think, yeah. And each one has their own unique language, for the most part. Like, they say certain things that are similar, <clears throat> but for the most part, they have, like, their own languages. And it's really crazy, because, like, just to think that they actually produce something like that, and it works, and it flows, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's really cool. But getting back on point, so, um, basically, as a shaman, you you start building up an army, and then you train different types of, um, of both warriors. There's a regular warrior, which is obviously just, like, a sword and shield, and they fight each other. There's a preacher, which is probably the coolest thing ever. They basically, if a non-preacher unit or a non-shaman unit walks up to it, the preacher starts preaching to them, and they convert to your side. So like you can you can strategically place these units in order to prevent, you know, obviously people from killing you. And then the third type of unit is called a fire warrior. They basically, it's it's kind of goofy, but they light their hands on fire and they shoot fireballs at people. And so like they're obviously <laughs> they're kind of cannons. Like they're they're so cool though, because later on in the game you get boats and you get hot air balloons. So, like, fire warriors and hot air balloons are just, like, so funny to see because they just, like, bombard people. It, it, it was just such, to me, it was, like, so cool for such an old-school game, like, as far as, like, an RTS perspective. And, like, it wasn't, if you play, because I played multiplayer as well, like, a little bit of before they had ladder. The multiplayer was very repetitive and there wasn't too much strategy to it. But as just, like, playing through the campaign, it was really enjoyable, again, because I played it so many times. But I think if somebody, like, Robert, for instance, like if you played it, I think you would say the same thing you said about Dungeon Keeper, where it feels really repetitive and almost like too simplistic. Oh, really? 
Yeah, like so. But but the thing is, like when I play these games, I try to try to get through the levels as quick as possible to make them as difficult as possible. Because like the longer you wait, obviously the more advantage you're going to have. Because the AI only can only do so much with the amount of resources they get. But I don't know. I, I love this game. I played it twenty or thirty times probably in my life, and it just it's super duper duper fun. And oh, but guess what? So this is something we're gonna I'm gonna get to test, Robert. I downloaded it from GOG initially, and it didn't work. It did not work. So I'm going to try their little their little help system, and then if not, I'm going to see, obviously see if they'll give me a refund on it. Uh-huh. Um, cool. But essentially, yeah. So I'll let you guys know how that goes, because, I mean, obviously we're big fans of GOG, so we'll see if... if um, well, actually, I'm not that big a fan of them, because I checked for the last two weeks to see if this game was going to be on sale, and it wasn't. <laughs> $6 of my hard-earned money from from everything. No. Um, but probably this is a really fun game. If you like RTSs, this is not similar to, like, StarCraft and Command and Conquer, or it's, it's more similar to, Ma- to Command and Conquer than it would be to, like, StarCraft and stuff, so I don't know. It's a really, really fun game, though. Does it follow the format that uh, Dungeon Keeper and Theme Hospital do, where it's, like, it's, like, level, it's, like, a level, like, you play a level for, like, 15 minutes and just do the things it says to do, and then you go on to the next level? No, this one, like, the first couple levels obviously are teaching you how to play the game, but for the most part, you are basically just eliminate your opponents, however you want to do it. And some of the levels are actually very difficult. I got stuck on them as a child, and not so much now, because obviously I've got good at StarCraft, so it, it's a little bit simpler, but um, it's, there are certain levels where you're basically, like, my favorite level in the entire game is called Armageddon, and just picture this, all four races are on opposite sides of this world on islands, and in the middle, there's this little totem where you have to have 20 soldiers sit at it and bow at it for like two and a half minutes straight. If you get interrupted, you start losing it and you have to start all over. Once you finish it, though, you get this spell called Armageddon where you cast it and it creates a giant crater in the center of the map. Everybody gets teleported to the middle of it and everybody rushes down the crater into the center and everybody just fights to the death. And whoever has the last person standing takes the level. <laughs> so, like, it was so cool. That sounds so. Is this so? Like, what is there a particular mechanic that like makes this stand out like as unique among RTSs, or is it just kind of a good RTS? Um, this is very unique, actually. The the God style, I I honestly can't think of too many other RTSs that Bullfrog didn't make that was like this. I mean, Black and White's the only thing I can think of that's close at all to this style. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. If yeah, you're... I think that's accurate. Uh, Populous was pretty much the early version of black and white okay cool yeah it's it's a really funny what was i gonna say um oh so interestingly enough so i was reading about it and uh, for the time a lot of people had complaints about it but what's weird is like even like ign and there were some other major websites that complained about it they were like oh this is not like the older ones or like because this is i think this is the second or third one in the actual series but they still gave it reviews of like 8.6 and 9.0 and shit so like even though they didn't like it in the series as much they still highly rated it Wait, like, what series? So, Populous, there was, a, there was a couple of them before, which I've only played one other one. They had, this one's called Populous, The Beginning. They had, okay. Populous, and then they had um, Trials of Something. And I played the older ones. I didn't like it as much. It wasn't, it didn't have the same style to it, um, to me, and the graphics were really hard to get past after playing this. On the one. older, on the older ones? Yeah, absolutely. And they did make a second one, which I didn't like that much either. Like, <laughs> there was one more after this one, I believe, and I, I didn't like it. Interesting. But fun game, great music. One of my favorite soundtracks from old school RTSs for sure. 
it's just really really good music and it's very appropriate because you're, you're natives and stuff so the music's kind of built around that so it, it's it's like super appropriate cool yeah. so yeah. I, I i actually have this in my gog library maybe i'll really? check it out yep maybe i'll check it out no, no you won't like it i know you're gonna hate on it right so <laughs> <laughs> metal gear solid any other games no, I'm doing one. For, I'm doing one at a time right now. That's, that's probably a good idea. So we can try to try to uh, lower our two-hour. <laughs> exactly. Right, one Blake. podcast at a time. <laughs> um. All right. The other thing I, before I got to mine, I wanted to say uh, to go back to the topic of old '90s point-and-click games that were really, really messed up. Uh, Jay, especially. I can think of one other big one, uh, Harvester. Have you ever heard of this one, Robert? No. It's like a really, really dark humor kind of a game. It's oh, yeah? extremely out there. Uh, look it up sometime. It's a it's a very strange dark game. I'm going to look it up right now while you're talking. I'm going to ignore you. All right. Well, sounds good, jackass. Robert, hey, <laughs> dude. Yeah. So my game for this week, uh, I finished playing it on cast. It took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Uh, I played Chrono Cross. Ooh, okay. This was not my first time playing it. I did. I actually played it on release long, long ago. Did you beat it the first time you played it through? Oh yeah. I when I okay. on my first playthrough, I did uh, New Game Plus. Spoiler: the game has New Game Plus. Big surprise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I did a playthrough where I got all of the characters in the game. Oh, wow. Yeah. It takes three playthroughs to do that. And you have to, for a few of the characters, you need help on how to get them. That's a shame. Yeah. Um, Jay, have you ever played it before? Yes. I I have never beaten it, but I've played it a good portion of the way into it. Ah. So I think I played it, the last time I beat it before this time was probably back around release. I tried playing through it about a year ago, and I never ended up finishing it. I got to the part where the very last dungeon opens up, and I was like, no, no, I'm done. <laughs> so I ended up uh, going back to it on cast because a bunch of my viewers wanted to see it, and I did an RPG month, and I did Chrono Trigger right before it. So the game is... You wouldn't believe it at the start, but it does turn out it is a sequel to Chrono Trigger. It is... I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, it, I... it doesn't happen even, for Jay, me. even I knew that. Shut up, Robert. <laughs> Go back to not beating the last boss, Robert. <laughs> I'm already there. I, I, I had a feeling, but I didn't actually know it. Okay, I... Oh, okay. I didn't know it that. It takes a long time for That's what it to I actually figured. be like, oh, see, there is some real stuff from Chrono Trigger happening here. So, as for the game itself, um, God, where to start? So the game kind of opens up. What happens is uh, you have to make a necklace because your girlfriend is kind of a bitch. Yes, yeah, uh, You show up, like, late, and she has to watch some kids. So she's like, go make something for me. And you're like, okay, I'll go kill these innocent dinosaurs. And you kill them, and you take their scales, and you make a necklace, and you meet her on the beach. And then you get teleported to this other world where it turns out you died. And pretty sh- pretty shortly into the game, you meet someone that's like, oh, well, you're in a different world now. You're in another world where uh, ten years ago there was an accident that killed you. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to look into this some more. <laughs> and that's kind of the whole hook and crux of the game. It's how everything gets off. It's the uh, story behind the whole thing 
sort of. I'll get to that more later. Let's start with some of the things that I actually like about the game. Um, it has amazing, fantastic music. Yes. Ah, oh, so glad. I thought you were gonna. Easily. I thought you were gonna say the opposite. No, 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 no. Definitely the best part about the game is the music. The intro movie, the music for that is absolutely incredible. Highly recommend checking out the soundtrack for the game, even if you've never played it. Very good. The only complaint I have about the music in the game is that it doesn't have as much variety as I would like. Um, it uses the same boss music for almost every really? boss. I didn't know that. It's really annoying, and it's something that started to get on my nerves more and more. Like, I would get to some of the big story fights. Like, different. Like, yeah. There's only one or two times, and it's like there's one secret boss fight and one very big, important boss fight that use the same music. That it's just a sad tune. It's a sad tune that they use in other parts of the game rather than the usual boss music. They don't give it a special tune or anything like uh leading up to the storyline fight that uses this sad music that that sad music is playing before the fight starts so it just transitions right into the fight and the music keeps going and it's like ah this is kind of throwing my game here guys and yeah it's just a disappointing thing in a game that otherwise has really solid music in general it all sounds great it just it doesn't have quite as much variety a lot of the time like i would expect um, like in Chrono Trigger, and it, I'm sorry, but this game has to be compared to Chrono Trigger on a lot of levels. Uh, Chrono Trigger has like two or three different boss themes that it uses throughout the game. You'll have your usual boss theme, and then you'll have your kind of oh shit boss theme for a few of them, a few of the big ones. Um, for most RPGs, it's like that, actually. Yeah, for most RPGs. This one, it, it fell short there. Uh, I think the next thing that I need to talk about is... The uh, the battle system, it changes things up from your usual JRPG stuff. It uses a stamina-based system. You have three levels of attacks. You have your weak, medium, and strong attacks, and they use one, two, and three stamina, respectively. You have a maximum of seven stamina, and uh, that part's kind of cool. This scale, yeah. the attacks scale up uh, kind of exponentially, so the second attack isn't equal to one or two weak attacks and the strong attack isn't weak to or isn't equivalent to a weak attack and a medium attack so if you can land the level three attacks much more consistently it's way better to do that uh economically speaking for your stamina costs to get your accuracy higher you can use like a level one and then a level two and then a level three and each attack that lands builds up the accuracy of all your attacks a little bit. So I thought that part was kind of cool. The other thing that they did that's very different from your usual JRPG systems is they introduced an element board. Uh, prior to this game, most JRPGs used a some kind of a magic point-based system where you'd have a fire spell, it would cost six magic points. You'd have a fire two spell, it would cost... 12 magic points, so on and so forth. This game, however, uh, breaks away from the entire magic point system with the element board. And what that is, it's, it's this big board where you get to slot up all these different spells that you find that are like items, basically. And you get to put them in all these different slots and stuff, and they don't consume any mana. Uh, you don't have magic points, nothing like that. So whenever you use a spell, uh, it's just uh, not available for the rest of that fight. It's a cool idea, and I think the 
point behind it was to move away from the magic point system where people wouldn't want to use their spells in uh, random fights. They'd be saving up the spells for the boss fights in case they needed a bunch of magic there. But the problem is it also kind of forces you into spamming the same stuff over and over and over and over. Uh, what that means is that like, you'll have a character that has an ability that is able to hit all the enemies in the field at once. You're going to build up that character's element board so that they can use that ability every single fight. You're going to do the same combos that you'll find a reliable level of attacks to use to build up their element board. And then they'll use that attack. And you'll do it over and over and over and over in every fight that that character is in. Um, to kind of explain the element board a little bit more, it has levels. So you have level 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. all the way up to 8. And to use the spells, you have to build up the element board. And to do that, you have to use your regular attacks. Um, so a level a weak attack will give you one level of element board, and so on and so forth. So you'll have to build up to like level 5 or whatever, and then use the spell. So I thought that the combat in that regard was... It tried to take things in a new direction, and it fixed some problems, but created its own where it was still just as boring as spamming fight over and over in old JRPGs could get. <laughs> hmm. So I they tried to fix one problem. I really liked it. I thought it was, I, like, I, I guess I didn't get as far enough into it. I figured it was going to yeah. be repetitive, but I liked it. I mean, I thought it was really, it was completely different. Like, I, it took me a while to get used to it and kind of figure out the little quirks with it, but I, I could see exactly what you're talking about, though, as far as, like, you can basically figure out the most efficient, smartest ones to use and yeah. then just do it over time. Just find what works and do it over and over and over and over. And I mean, like, how many hours did you put into the game, do you think? Mm, maybe like 10 or 12. I didn't get too far into it. All right. Because the game is like 35 plus hours for first playthrough. And that's not even with doing a lot of the side stuff. So by the, like, 25th, 30th hour, you're like, oh, my God, please let it end. Just let me stop doing the same attacks over and over. <laughs> By the 35th hour, it's like, okay, just just let the whole game end now. I don't even care anymore. That's what, uh, that, that I wouldn't be able to, that's like the thing that that kills me more than anything, uh, like in video games, is stuff like, particularly RPGs, if you just get stuck in that kind of situation. Like, I know there's no way I would be able to play this game. Yeah, it gets very, very annoying. Um, I was glad that I was playing it on stream since I had... Uh, a lot of people watching that I got to talk to and kind of distract me from stuff. And I got to uh, let them experience my disappointment with, with some of the things in real time. I think that helped a little bit for me anyway. Uh, um, yeah. The next thing, let's see here. I thought the game started off really well. It started off a lot better than I remembered it from when I played it as a kid. I think the ending completely marred my experience when I was younger and it gave me a bad impression of the entire game. Things started off pretty cool with uh, going to this other world, finding out you died, and like just all these questions that start to get raised. Uh, the first part of the game I really liked a lot. Uh, yeah. Then you get to this part where you confront kind of uh, what you believe is the big bad of the game, and that kind of transitions into Act 2, and that's where things take a huge, huge dive for the game. The pacing of the game is really abysmal. The entire second act 
and third act of the game up until the very last hour or so, maybe two hours of it. Uh, it's awful. There is, like, nothing that happens that is of any consequence whatsoever. None <laughs> of it feels like it matters. And after the start of the game where it's like, ooh, what happened 10 years ago? What happened 14 years ago? Why is, uh, why is Surge, the main character, the missing puzzle piece of this other world where he died and things are so different here? And it just, the second act, like, completely bypasses all of that stuff and talks about all these unimportant things and all these unimportant characters. Uh, I think that's another problem that the game runs into. There are 45 recruitable, playable characters in the game. Compare that to Chrono Trigger, which had a team of seven characters, one of which was a secret character that you didn't have to recruit at all. I got that one. <laughs> Good job, Robert. Did you use it in the last boss? <laughs> yeah, I did. So, the reason that this is such a problem in this game is that none of these characters matters except for, like, one or two of them that are in your party. The other 40 or so characters uh, that join you, they're important for maybe 10 minutes of game time. And then they join you, and they become generic dialogue character number 17, number 30, so on and so forth. Oh, so it's not like, so, so, that, so it doesn't really work? And, no, not at all. Because I'm because th- when you first said that, I thought of uh, Suikoden. Yeah, it's similar to Suikoden, but I think Suikoden does it a lot better than Chrono Cross does. So, yeah, Suikoden three, I felt like did a great job with that. I think a, a part of the problem here is that well, like in the Suikoden games, even the characters that join you, they're still their own character. Right. What happens in Chrono Cross is that they just have every single character will have the exact same dialogue if you take them along as any other character. Oh. It's just that some characters have their own dialect. So you'll recruit this character <laughs> that uses a lot of R's when they're talking. They'll drag out their R's, or they'll throw W's into words that normally don't have them. They'll talk like they're very a cute kind of character. And that, so they'll say the exact <laughs> same line of dialogue as another character says, but they'll just say it with their own dialect. It removes all characterization from every single recruitable character you can get. And And, and any point of having multiple characters. What was that? Oh, I was saying you said it removes, like, the characterization. I said it also also removes the the point of having 25 characters. Well, 45. 45. Oh, 45. Yeah. It removes the entire point. They're... They're not unique at all. Their battle, like the only thing they have different is their battle stuff, and even that is not enough to really set them apart from each other. Like they're just a handful of characters that are so much better to use in combat that the rest of them just look like complete waste of space. Um, And not to mention the design on almost the entire cast is completely bad. Just visually, they (laughs) look so stupid. There's just so many, such a huge variety of characters thrown in, and most of them are worthless, stupid characters even having the game. Um, I think that might be the biggest weakness of the entire game. The next thing, uh, like I said before, Act 2 and Act 3 of the game, there's nothing happening. The, the pacing 
of the entire game is really, really off after that point. Act 1 starts to get things going, and then it just grinds to a halt. Um, what happens is that in the last... Maybe the last half of Act 3, things kind of start to come together, and they start explaining some things. And then it's not until... I'm not even kidding. Right before the very last battle, you run into a few characters that are giant text dumps of information. It's all <laughs> exposition of the characters going, this happened because this happened, and this, 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 It's some of the worst storytelling I've ever seen in a Square game. It's really very poorly done. Um, and this is all stuff that has like nothing to do with anything you've seen in the game. Because <laughs> like this has stuff. All of this stuff is what relates it back to Chrono Trigger. Finally, this is where you really start to get an idea of just what the hell is going on and why this is a sequel to Chrono Trigger. Up until this point, you've been like hanging out with generals of armies and stuff and learning about their backstories and the backstories of this little island that ends up being not important whatsoever to the real story of the game. It's like, why have they been wasting my time with this the entire game when the real story is why it's connected to Chrono Trigger? And it's not until the last 30 minutes where they're like, these characters did this, and this happened, and time paradoxes, and all this other crap, and it's very poorly written, poorly executed, and poorly presented. It's I just, wish they would have just made a completely different story with it then, honestly. instead of That is exactly forcing. what they should have done. Yeah. And like, I'll probably get to that more later. Um, I feel like this game would have been a lot better if it was just about two different worlds. The home world where you're alive and the other world where your character died. And they just completely fleshed out that idea and developed that. Instead of this hokey, goofy crap of... Oh, yeah, it's uh, also here. This is all happening because of stuff in Chrono Trigger as well. It's like, just please tell nice one try. story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just curious, a, what did you think of the difficulty of the game? It ha On this playthrough, I had almost no problems whatsoever. Really? Okay. I only game over once. There is one fight that I remember having a lot of trouble with as a kid. So, Jay, I don't... You probably didn't get this far enough to face it. Um, you probably... Did you even get to the Freaky Friday moment? I don't think so. I, it's been a while since I've played it. Okay. So then you definitely didn't get to this one. Um, actually, the boss fight I was talking about earlier with the very sad music playing over it is a bitch <coughs> of a fight. And it was the biggest roadblock for everybody that played it when they were kids. Oh. I didn't game over on it once on this playthrough, and it's because I got very, very, very lucky. Uh, that's about it. The boss decided to go after a character that he wouldn't deal that much damage to every time he used his melee attack. Otherwise, he would have shot one-shot the other two people in my party. <laughs> so that turned out pretty well. Aside from that, the difficulty in the game, um, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, it on this playthrough in particular, it was not too difficult, okay. um, but it wasn't too easy. What did you think of the difficulty on your playthrough? The first time I played through, because I didn't understand the combat system, I had a lot of trouble actually. I, I died on almost every boss just because I didn't understand how to use the the uh, element board, and I really didn't understand too much about it. So 
I think it was just not knowing everything, but yeah. I think if I played it through a couple times, I think I would be able to one shot a yeah. lot of it. It's, it's I have experience with the game, so I kind yeah, of exactly. cheat there. To get a good understanding of it is kind of weird. It's like you like we talked about, it's a very different uh, battle system for most JRPGs. Okay. So it can take a lot of getting used to before you actually really know what the hell you're doing in a fight. Um, and there are some very punishing bosses in that game if you don't know what the hell's going on. Um, some other things, there are some really stupid plot holes in the game. Uh, like, <laughs> surprise! Yeah, big surprise there. Oh, man. The entire third act of the game is where... It, like, the second act, nothing happens, and you're like, okay, what the hell's going on with this game? But then act three, everything falls apart. You kill this character that's supposed to be, like, integrated very importantly to all sorts of stuff, and when you kill him, all these other things shut down, but you can still interact with the things that should be shut down at this point. It kind of makes absolutely zero sense. <laughs> Not to mention You're explaining when you and I was like, what? Oh, yeah, it's just... Oh, man. I want you to finish it, Jay, just because you... I, I'm actually really so want much. to. I know, because I was going to say, I really like Chrono Trigger, and I actually really liked playing Chrono Cross just for the music. But, dude, oh, the yeah. characters look so freaking lame, though. So many like, of them do. There is maybe oh. a handful of characters that are not... that don't look like absolute crap. The main <laughs> character was like the littlest bitch ever, like, honestly. Yeah, he, He's wearing a bandana. Imagine, <laughs> well, for anybody that hasn't played it, he looks like uh, the PlayStation-era... Vaughn from Final Fantasy XII. Like, that's <laughs> what he pretty much is. He's got, like, these beach shorts on and a bandana. He looks goofy. Sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, the only other thing I want to touch on in the game is there was a... V there is occasionally very bad direction. Um, it, for the most part, it didn't end up affecting my playthrough too much. There was one point where... There's hints of what you're, where you're supposed to go, and I picked up on the hints. There's a lot of characters that are talking about this town in the game called Marbul. I've, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. It's spelled M-A-R-B-U-L-E. It's Marbul or Marbule, something like that. And there are characters that are talking about, oh, this thing happened over there. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I get the idea. I'm supposed to head over there. I'll go ahead and do that. And I walked into the place. There are two NPCs in the entire place, <laughs> and I talked to one of them. He didn't say anything important. Okay, so it kind of set this up a little bit more. When you talk to an important NPC in that game, when they're saying something important to you, your character gets locked in place. You can't move around and miss the dialogue of them saying the important thing that they need to tell you, the player. So I talked to one guy. He doesn't have anything important to say because I don't get rooted in place. So I talk to him once and I walk off. I talk to the other guy. He doesn't have anything important to say because I don't get locked in place and I can walk off. So I'm like, all right, there's nothing of import happening in this area right now. I guess I'll go back to the ship where everyone was talking to me about this town. This goes on for like a half an hour or an hour before I finally have talked to everybody so many times that I give up. I head back to that stupid town, Marbul, and what you have to do is you have to talk to one of the characters two or three times and then talk to the other one. <laughs> and I almost rage quit the fucking game right there. <laughs> it and was you call yourself an RPG lover. <laughs> this was... Come on. No other RPG does stupid crap like this and doesn't get called out on it. This was 
awful, awful gameplay design and terrible direction. I could not believe that there was there was no reason to need to talk to the character multiple times, and just so that you could talk to the other one to have him finally give you the dialogue options. And this like... is, like I said, I played this when I was younger, so I kind of remembered, oh, I'm supposed to be able to take a nap in this town, but I can't do that right now. You have to talk to one character two or three times, talk to the other one, ask him a specific question that he brings up, and then you can go and sleep in the house in that town. I think the people who made I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream got fired and then made Chrono Cross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was easily the moment of the game that pissed me off the absolute most. Overall, that was pretty stupid. when I started off the game, in the first act, I was like, man, this is a lot better than I remember it being. I could probably easily give this game, like even knowing the kind of disappointment that was coming up, I underestimated the disappointment. I was like, I could give this game like a 7, maybe an 8 out of 10. This isn't as bad as I remember. And then as the game went on, I was like, oh my god. This is like a 5, maybe a 6 out of 10 for me. Chrono Cross was a, just a huge disappointment. Like I remembered it as a kid. It starts off with such promise. I think it would have been way, way better as a game that focused on telling its own story of a character being a very important centerpiece between these two worlds and how these worlds diverged and everything changed because he died. Instead, they go off and they make this convoluted, crappy time paradox story that ties into Chrono Trigger, and for me, it just did not work. I've never heard somebody describe a game in, in, with by saying I underestimated the dis the disappointment. So, <laughs> that, I recommend this game, but so uh, well, so so hardcore RPG fans maybe, but nobody else is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think for people that have played Chrono Trigger, it's you kind of have to play it just to see where SquareSoft took the game. Um. I, I, for anyone else, I really have a tough time recommending this. All right. Um, well, as promised, I uh, googled Harvester while you were talking. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, I uh, the box the the cover of the box says the most violent adventure game of all time, <laughs> and uh, I found some information about it on uh, MobyGames.com. This is just kind of interesting. First of all, it does it, it looks really dark and very bizarre. And uh, according to this, it says the UK and Australian versions were censored, and they're missing the two cannibalistic cutscenes cut of children eating their mother. What the shit? Uh huh. Um, yeah, that that, that was. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Blake. Now I'm interested. <laughs> I think you would have a fun time playing through that one. I think I probably would too. All right. Well, any are, are we done with games? I just want to say, I feel like I'm so, like, I feel like for the most part I'm very positive about the games I talk about, and, like, sometimes, like, I feel like, like, Blake, when you talk about a game, I'm like, I really feel like I understand a much better, or, like, I have a much better understanding of the games you play, by, like, when you talk about, like, some of the shittier parts of it, because you know what I pictured when you talked about that? Final Fantasy VIII. Like, <laughs> seriously, that's well, what it reminds me of. What's funny about that is, I, I meant to talk on this a little bit, to touch on it some, I think that these games, uh, they were probably made very close around the same time. Okay. Because I think it was Square again 
trying to get away from the old JRPG tropes and trying a lot of new things, specifically with stuff like uh, the combat system in particular, because I think that the combat system of Final Fantasy VIII and Chrono Cross are kind of really similar in the way that they work. Final Fantasy VIII has the draw and junction system where you don't have magic points, you absorb magic from your enemies, and it acts like... Uh, an item in your inventory, pretty much, which is very similar to the Chrono Cross system, where you have this element board and you attach item or you attach elements to it, and after battle they're replenished and stuff. So it was like they were this time of experimentation in Square. <laughs> Getting away from Jenna. Yeah, <laughs> and it just did not work for me in either yeah. of those games. I th- I actually liked it a lot better in Chrono Cross, but it still didn't quite get to where it needed to be to be a great player. I enjoyed both the, the both their systems honestly like there's I feel like the systems are both pretty good but again it, it does get repetitive which I mean yeah. it's a JRPG so yeah <laughs> alright All right, so our uh, top three list this week is top three gaming disappointments and uh, these can be disappointments of any sort it can be like a, a, something that happened in the plot of a game it could be like a game itself or it could be like any sort of development in the gaming industry is any uh cla- any any it has to be classic gaming related and disappointing in some way. Uh, I have a feeling Chrono Cross is going to make it on here one way or the other. <laughs> uh, Blake, let's start with you. What was your number three top biggest uh, classic gaming disappointment? I mean, let's just get it out of the way. It's Chrono Cross. Is it, Chrono Cross? <laughs> is it really? It, it, yeah, it made my it made my list of top three. I mean, even on a bigger scale, I could say that it's like the entire post Final Fantasy VII SquareSoft era, pretty much. Um, Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy VIII, very big disappointments. Um, SquareSoft getting bought out by Square Enix after Final Fantasy Spirits Within tanks and completely bankrupts the company. Uh, but I think it's pretty fitting on this episode. My biggest disappointment is Chrono Cross. It was the successor to fi- or to Chrono Trigger, the successor to the Chrono name, and it was just a completely different tone than Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger was this fun, lighthearted, crazy anime kind of adventure story, and then Chrono Cross is this very... It attempts to be very heavy-handed with morals, it's very melodramatic, and it's just a completely different game from what Chrono Trigger was, and it was uh, just an enormous disappointment for me. Just out of curiosity, if you saw, similar to the Unsung story, if you saw somebody do that, but with the Chrono series, would you consider backing it, if it looked good? Um, If it looked good, yeah, I would definitely think about backing it. Oh, hey, actually, I meant to ask you, did you back Unsung story? Uh, No, I did not have the funds for it at the time, and as the development, as the story behind the game kind of went on, and we found out more about the developer... You got a little bit questionable? Yeah, I got a little suspicious. Alright, okay, number three, Jay. What was your number three classic gaming disappointment? All mine kind of share the same same kind of like lineup, but essentially mine kind of has to do with sequels or non-existent sequels. Okay. So I don't know if you guys, have, uh, Blake, have you ever played Chocobo Dungeon? Have we talked about this before? Yes, I I did play that actually. Okay, so you played Chocobo Dungeon two, correct? I think so. I don't okay. remember. Which there one. is no theoretical. So Chocobo Dungeon two came out in America, but there was no Chocobo Dungeon one really. Okay, then yeah, I played. Yeah, that. so my like my I love Chocobo Dungeon. It's a really cool game. I'm actually going to play it in the upcoming podcast. It's it's one of my favorite games. It's so much fun. But I was like, oh, they must have made a first one. So I go do some research, and it doesn't exist. 
And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what, what? how did they make a second game without a first one? So I go to research. Apparently, they just screwed up on production, and there was no first one. So they just kind of said it was the second one. But there is <laughs> an original. There's like an original Chocobo Dungeon type game, but it's called something completely different, and it's not really the same type of. It's kind of the same type of game. But it's like, oh, I okay. kind of remember reading about all this stuff, and I was like, how do they do something this? Yeah, how do you screw it up that bad? That's what I was like. I, that was like it was. <laughs> But it was just a huge disappointment because I was like, yeah, you know, I want to see where the roots of Chocobo Dungeon came from. Because, like, the graphics weren't that important, so I was expecting Chocobo Dungeon 1 to be as fun as Chocobo Dungeon 2. But, right. spoiler, Chocobo Dungeon 1 does not exist, apparently. <laughs> Did you ever play Chocobo Racing? No. It was, oh, I remember seeing the, the cover art for it. I forgot they even made that into, like, an actual thing. Yeah, it was a pretty cool game. I don't remember too much about it. It had some, like... It had some major balance issues, unlike, say, the Super Mario Kart games, where all the characters are pretty much the same with a couple tweaks. Uh, Chocobo Racing had some very bad balance issues. You could get, like, uh, I think Bahamut had, like, all of his stats maxed out. And it was like, why? (laughs) What the fuck is this? What was the art style like? Was it like Chocobo Dungeon, that cartoony kind of cute stuff, or was it like... Yeah, it was fun? very cutesy kind of graphics. Okay. So I figured. Yeah. My number three... My number three classic gaming disappointment is, uh... The Power Glove. It's so bad. Oh, wow. What so, did you guys... Uh, did Wait, either... Jay, you don't know what that is? Oh, yeah. You gotta be fuck. No, no, I'm... I'm I, I, I haven't... Jesus Christ, hold on a sec. I'm gonna search it again. You're a noob. Go the ahead, power glove, so the power glove. I don't. Um, I actually don't remember. Like, was it was the power glove? We talked about it being on the Wizard. Um, that movie. That wasn't when it was introduced. Was, was that? It was introduced on the Wizard, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think, that's think the, so. The Wizard was basically a gigantic Nintendo yeah. marketing. I, I knew it was for Mario Three. Obviously, I couldn't remember if that if it also did the same thing for the power glove. But yeah, I, I guess it so. maybe did. But yeah. So anyway, the power glove. Uh, if you don't know what it was, it was it basically it was a controller for the original Nintendo, but it was a glove that you that you actually put on your hand, and it went like halfway down your forearm. And uh, the idea was you could like point your fist at the screen, your fist, and if you're playing Mario, uh, and like you want Mario to move, then you like move it a little bit to the side, and then like if you want to jump, then you actually like do a jump motion. Like you, like you do with your fist, like the, the trajectory that you wanted Mario to jump at, basically. Um, you you also could hold it. It did actually have the buttons on it as well, so you could instead of like pointing your fist at the screen, you could like hold your forearm in front of you and like use one hand to push the buttons on the on the actual controller buttons that were on the back of the glove. Um, uh, obviously, you're about one of the other ways you could use it. Um, like what was the other way? It was it was very detailed. Like you could have. Uh, depending on, like, the way it worked is that each game had a code that you would punch in when you booted it up, and that would make the, kind of like a TV remote. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember so, that. Yeah. So there was, like, a instruction booklet that came with the glove that had different games, that had different uh, different codes that you could use. And on some games, what you would do, you you would point your fist at the screen, and what you would do, like, it wouldn't be your fist. Your hand would be open, facing down, uh, from what I remember. And you could flex one of your fingers. 
to make like you would bring your finger down like you were making a fist, but you only with one finger, and that would like correspond with one of the button inputs. Wow! And it was like index finger was uh, was jump, and if you held down your what? middle finger, it was run or something. It was really I sort of vaguely remember stupid. that now. It sounds yeah. like the '90s like attempted the Wii or something. It was. Yeah, that's what it was. So. Uh, it lo- it did look pretty cool. You got to give it that. Um, yeah. However, like so, first of all, the biggest problem was it didn't. It just overall didn't work very well. Oh, not at all. Like, did you ever try playing Punch Out with it? No, I didn't. I actually, that only, was I actually the... didn't own Punch Out. Oh God! Like that was the entire reason I think my parents bought that was for <laughs> using it to Punch Out, and it was like, what do you mean I can't punch at the screen and have it work? For my character. So you couldn't actually do punch motions? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you do finger, you do little finger motions? You had to do little finger taps. <laughs> it was the stupidest peripheral. My god. So, yeah, it was really stupid, and, uh... So, first of all, it just it didn't work. It didn't really work very well. It worked like... didn't. It just didn't work well. Uh, the other problem with it was, once you hold your arms straight out, especially little kids for like five minutes, and your arm's <laughs> tired and you don't want to play anymore. <laughs> especially with that big, bulky, heavy power glove on That's top. That's what I was remembering. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I had it, we had it for one night and realized how bad it sucked and turned our. I just remember reaching oh. into a sweaty glove. That's what I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. You hot, hot, moist environment and you're just fisting it. It's just terrible. Yeah, wasn't it Nylon. Uh, the, like, yeah, the inside, yeah, like, the inside part was, that like, that directly touched your arm, and then, like, obviously it was, like, plastic, you know, yeah, uh, plastic on the outside. Goofy, stupid glove on top of it. <laughs> Looks like a hockey mitt for go- for hockey. Or a, yeah, sort of does, yeah, yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Alright, so, yeah, so, Power Glove, that was pretty disappointing. Blake, what was your number two disappointment? Did we do Jay's number one? We did Jay's yeah, number dog. three. Or number three, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. All right, sorry. Um, so one of the other things on my list was Final Fantasy VIII. I think that's kind of covered by Chrono Cross and that whole era of Square being not mm-hmm. quite what I grew up with. My next disappointment, and I'm gonna get some haters for this. I already know it. Hey, my next disappointment is the Nintendo 64. Oh my god! I was. I, I had this feeling somebody was going to say that. <laughs> really? That's so crazy. Like, that was such a, a mate. Oh, my. What did you like about there it? There were no yeah. good games on that system for me. I, oh, there it is. 64? This is why. There were, like, three games. There's Mario 64. Okay. It's Ocarina of Time. Okay. And there's Smash Brothers Brawl. Okay. All the other <laughs> games, I don't Jay's care like, about. I don't point? like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah you did the system. Hello, hello. <laughs> but like, Dude, I spent more hours playing those games. Well, and remember <laughs> Goldeneye? You forgot about Goldeneye. All right, all right. Talking about Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Oh yeah, Goldeneye. 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 I'm, I'm gonna keep naming stuff here. Uh, remember all the cool ass Star Wars games? How about no. Star Fox? Star uh, Fox. I, there were some good Star Wars games on Nintendo 64 yeah. there. I didn't like any of those. Star Fox was okay. I played the Super Nintendo one, and it never really grabbed me. So I never cared about the 64 one. I didn't care about Banjo-Kazooie. The collection games? Rayman? Are you serious? Remember where we talked about our top three? Yeah, you remember that? Come on, yeah. Jay. Don't you remember I don't like that? the collect-a-thons. 
What about uh, Rogue Squadron was good? Yeah, Rogue Squadron was amazing. I never cared to play it. It didn't there look were, good. There were some good and football games on there, too. The biggest disappointment for me about the 64 was where the hell are the RPGs? Uh, also, also, Perfect Dark was on there. Perfect Dark was really good. You're you're right though. They're they're what like it's. Wait, you like Perfect Dark and not Goldeneye? Yeah, I really like Perfect Dark. Are you kidding me? Perfect Dark. Was, well, I liked Perfect Dark for the story. But it's like, like it's, it's basically Goldeneye, like an improved version of Goldeneye. It's like a good version of Goldeneye. That's what I said. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Fair enough. I agree. What about what about Wave Race? Did you no? The PlayStation's game library completely blows the 64 out of the water. I, I agree. So, in comparison, like, I grew up on the Super Nintendo. The Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, especially. The Super Nintendo had a huge game library of all sorts of games that were, at the very least, playable. If not amazing and enjoyable. And then along comes the 64, and there is maybe half a dozen games that I would like, that I care about that I really genuinely enjoy compared to everything else in the past that I grew up with. It was a huge disappointment for me as a kid. I will say, I wouldn't wouldn't call it a disappointment, but I I will say I agree that there weren't like a ton of, like out of like the games of that era, like especially compared to PlayStation and Super Nintendo there, it didn't have as strong of a library as like the other consoles around it. But I think it made up for it in quality, though, because there were some really good games yeah, for that. there were. Like, yeah, I, I get you, there weren't, the library wasn't as big. It's true. I mean, there wasn't nearly as... Like, PlayStation had unbelievable amount of good games, but I don't know. There was some... Yeah. And then the only RPG on the 64 is a fucking terrible game. It's Quest 64. Oh, it's Quest 64! <laughs> Your opinion is wrong! It was a bad game, but it was so stupidly, like, ridiculous, and it was it made no sense, and you just wandered, and That was... is one of the games that I rented that ruined my rent. I think everybody rent. rented that game, and they were like, what the hell is this? And it was so that, hard! That was the game that ruined my rental weekend. When uh, I think rental, of games that did that... Oh, man. That's, so That's the game that stands out for me. I played it for, like, an hour, and I was like, no. No, this game is bad. So I'm like 10 hard. years old and I know this game sucks. <laughs> yeah, the storyline was terrible. I'll, I'll give you that. The <laughs> game, oh god, yeah. I might actually play that. <laughs> I actually, it was funny, Blake, I actually tried to play it like, like 12 months ago or like 14 months ago and I started playing again I'm like, this is really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, Jay, what's your second disappointment? Alright, so like I said, we're following a, a bit of a, a path here. Minor, minor primarily sequels. Um, second one, I'm going to do, so f- with Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts is a great series, especially the first one. It's just an iconic, unique, great game. But the thing that pissed me off about the series is I really liked the first one. The second one was not as good as the first one, still good. But then all of a sudden, in order to keep up with the story, you had to start playing these god-awful fucking Game Boy games. All that affordable. Were, yeah. yeah, they were card games. And it was like the most ridiculous thing ever. It was just... It was a huge disappointment after such a successful first game. Unique. I mean, you take Kingdom Hearts, a game where they combined Squaresoft RPG characters with Disney characters successfully, creating a wonderful story, amazing gameplay, and then they just, like, drift oh. off. And, yeah, it was just... Huge disappointment. 
you reminded me that Kingdom Hearts existed and that I could have put it on my list, but then I was like, I never had high hopes for the game, really, so I wasn't disappointed by it. I hated the first one. What? The get-go. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't like Disney, is the other I, thing. I don't like Disney that much either, but for something, like, it worked. It was so good. There were Especially so that. many things wrong with the first one, though. Like it's the a, gummy ship segments. See, I enjoyed that. It was like a it was like a side quest for like an RPG. Oh my god, I hated that. That section was so badly done. So <sighs> it was just a an annoyance getting between the areas. The writing was like bottom of the barrel characterization for everybody. And it starts the trend or okay, Kingdom Hearts I believe came out before uh, Advent Children, so it kind of started the trend of Cloud being this whiny, annoying dick. In, in Kingdom Hearts, really, I don't remember him being that. I remember just he like, was uh, like he was mopey in that one. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I'll give you that. He, yeah. Well, that's my number two. All right. Okay, my number two disappointment. It was a Sega CD. Oh my god, I was going to do Dreamcast. That's so funny. <laughs> Really, Dreamcast. Most people actually liked that system. Yeah, I did, but I, like, if I, if I, that's kind of what I did because I know they, there were some really cool things about it, but there were some definite negative things as well with it. All right. So, the list, so keep on. Go ahead, so, Rob. So Sega CD, that was like I don't know if it was the first like console add-on, but it was definitely the first one I owned. I think it was pretty much the first one. Yeah. Um, and like basically, it turned out just to be like. More or less, like, a slightly improved version of Sega Genesis, but it could also play, like, the C- like the classic kind of, like, CD-ROM live-action. Not, like, ba- like video sequences, pretty much. Night Trap! And the, yeah, Night Trap was the classic example. <laughs> um, so the problems with the Sega CD were, first of all, it turned out that, 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 the, that having live-action, like, little short video sequences, like, just isn't... It doesn't really do much for games. Um, and that was, like, 90% of what it was banking on. The other problem was, like... So it just didn't turn out to be, you know... Like, the the thing... It's, its capabilities just weren't that great. Once we once everybody sort of, like... You know, saw what it was capable of. But also, on top of that, it just, like... There were, like, probably three good games that came out for it. And, like, there can't be more than, like, a couple dozen games in the entire Sega CD library, I was gonna say, they're, right? They're like, there can't be more than 50. I was going to say about 50 is probably, probably what I imagine. Um, Man, I don't even know if there's that many. I, I mean, I definitely couldn't. I could name probably 10. I'm assuming there had to be, like, at least 40? I mean, I, mean, I can name two. <laughs> So I mean, but there Sonic were... CD and Night <laughs> yeah. Trap. Sonic CD, Sonic <laughs> CD was good, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, there, a couple, there were a couple other games. Was was Night Trap actually good? I wasn't allowed to buy it when I was. No, Night okay, Trap so is terrible. Night Trap wasn't good. Um, Gex or was that it? Yeah, Gex, Gex was Gex pretty good. That was another collection game though. That it's like. Yeah, I actually didn't own. I, my favorite game on Sega CD was Sewer Shark. Which is a uh, like it's a rail shooter where you, you you fly these ships like in sewers and shoot the <laughs> there's like mutated rats in them and you shoot the rats <laughs> so that was my favorite game to play uh, 
and like that's almost all there is to say about it. There just weren't good games for it, and its capabilities weren't that good. I did actually encounter one of like the stupidest glitches I've ever seen in a video game on a Sega CD game, which was uh, Joe Montana Football for Sega CD. I used to love all the Joe Montana football games and the, all the John Madden football games. I played all those growing up. So so I had to get Joe Montana football for Sega CD. Uh, and it was just a bad game overall, first off. Like, I remember one time I was playing it, and it was like one of those situations where I was down by like a couple points, and uh, it was like <laughs> the game was almost over, and I was running the ball, and I like was trying to decide whether to run out of bounds and stop the clock so I could kick a field goal, or just keep on going and see if I could get a touchdown on this play. However, there was, there was no clock on the game, so I couldn't look at a clock to see. Like, it, it, I think it would show you dur- like in between plays, but it wouldn't show you during a play. So like I was like, so I just had to guess what time it was. So I ran out of bounds to try to stop it, but the clock had already gone out. <laughs> so I just ran out of bounds and lost the game. But the but but that wasn't the glitch that I that, that I encountered. The glitch that I encountered on Joe Montana Football for Sega CD was I was so I was playing just a normal game. The other team kicked off, and I got the ball and I ran it back for a touchdown. So I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. I want to watch I want to watch me doing that again. So I played. So I went to play the replay. <laughs> And on the replay, I got tackled on the 20-yard line. What? <laughs> so it didn't go properly? Huh? Oh. So, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, I've never encountered a glitch quite like that since. So just kind of that's just kind of an indication of overall the quality of what you're getting on Sega CD, which just wasn't very good. So that was kind of disappointing. That's a good one. I like that one. That's my favorite so far. I'm glad. I'm glad. I appreciate it. All right, Blake, what's your biggest classic gaming disappointment of all time? Oh, man. We, uh, we've we talked about it a little bit before. Uh-oh. Um, Jay and I, we're both pretty big fans of Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh. And my biggest gaming disappointment, since Final Fantasy Tactics is my favorite game... It is! I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Tactics Advance is my biggest uh, video game disappointment. Have you played A2? Because it's worse. I enjoyed it. I heard that A2... I, I've played like three hours of it before, and then like I lost my save file, and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. I don't <laughs> care. That sucks. At least I could actually play, just because the gameplay was somewhat fun, but A2 was like, please, just... I, I spent $40. I'll give you $40 to take this game off the shelves. Another $40. I think my oh. least favorite thing that they did with A2 was is the that they put that the main character into the PSP version oh, of yeah. Final Fantasy Tactics. And I was like, do not try and tie these together. There's no reason for that. I hated the judges. I, that was like this... That took all the strategy out of the game. It just made it stupidly fucking difficult. Oh, attacks are sealed for this battle. Have yeah. fun with oh, your Lancer you and use, Knight. You can't use magic, and they're all melee thieves, so enjoy getting fisted by, you know, high DPS glass cannon classes. Uh-huh. So stupid. It was... The biggest problem with it, it was it was very different gameplay. There's still strategy RPGs, but the class system is very different. Yeah. Uh, it's a very cutesy kind of a game, and that's easily the worst part about it for me personally. Yeah. The reason I like Tactics so much was it was a much more mature story than was, what we got out of most it was games. Very real. Yeah, it was and it was it didn't see. I don't think it really ever pandered that much to the player. It did some hard hitting shit. And then Tactics Advance comes along, and 
It's about a kid who gets sucked into a storybook. And after doing a rough snowball fight and losing that snowball fight. (laughs) Oh, God. It's just kitty cutesy bullshit because it was on the Game Boy Advance, and the Game Boy Advance audience was very young. That's what Nintendo thinks, yeah. But I played Final Fantasy Tactics when I was super young, and I loved it. Yeah, me too. That's so freaking disappointing. Yeah, that's a really good one, actually. I don't know. A2 is worse than Advance, though. If, if you ever get the chance to play it, just do it. So <laughs> well, see, I don't know if I would be disappointed by that because I'm not going into it with high expectations, either. It's true. It's like I did with uh, Final Be careful, you might underestimate your disappointment again. <laughs> <laughs> My disappointment has been underestimated again! Uh, uh, and you know, okay, the, the worst thing is, like, Oh, Slack, you probably didn't play that much of it. Yes, I did. I've completely 100% at Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I know that I don't like it. I did every mission in the game. I got the secret character. I mastered all the jobs, blah, blah, blah. It's not Final Fantasy Tactics. It's, uh, It's another game where Square made a sequel that does not live up to its predecessor. See, what I don't get is, like, why do they keep trying to do new shit instead of just, like, making the old shit better? You know what I mean? Like, they were like, nobody wants to play this again. I would have played Final Fantasy Tactics again (laughs) if you made it better. Like, if you could possibly do that. They can't do that. I don't think that they have the people working there now that are capable of that kind of stuff. So... That's a good one. Uh, that, that's good. Robert, he just beat your Sega CD. I'm sorry. Aww. <laughs> it's a good one, but... I don't know. Alright, what's yours, Jay? My number one, Blake, is Final Fantasy X-2. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, Final Fantasy X, one of my favorite games of all time, if not my favorite game of all time. Um, amazing story, amazing gameplay, just an all-around epic fucking game. Just so it's good. PS2 era, you dirty cheater. That's Well, because Final Fantasy X came out in 2004. I'm guessing X-2 came out in like 2005, 2006. Uh, yeah, hey, guess we- what? That's, that's less than 10 years ago. Okay, whatever. I don't suck. <laughs> well, it was either that or it was Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, so I'm kind of good. But Final Fantasy X-2, they did this new combat style, which was actually pretty cool. I actually I thought it was really unique. They did um, they did change it up and, and did some cool things with it. But the storyline was complete and utter trash. It just completely shit on the original story, and it was a nightmare. It was horrendous. I played it. So many times trying to get 100%, and I wanted to shoot myself. It was just, oh my god, just complete I'm, shit. I've never yeah. played 10-2 because it's, it was one that I knew I should personally stay away from. You have to, just to get an understanding of how bad uh, it is. Like, legitimately, like, the game, oh my god. It's, it's, I'm not as big of a fan of 10 as you are either. I thought uh, 10 was okay. I thought the story and the characters, like, there are no likable characters in that game for me, aside from Orin. And it's not even because he's cool, it's because he's the least sucky of the characters. <laughs> I hate, I cannot think of any other character that joins the team that I don't hate. I do really like the battle system. Of I didn't 10. hate Lulu. <laughs> I wonder why that is. Put on some pants, Robert. <laughs> well, she wasn't... I mean, like, I did hate uh, Riku. Really? Oh, my God. I actually really liked oh, her. I, Riku Yuna was super... wasn't too right. bad. Yuna was okay. Yuna was all right. Oh, fucking haters. Well, regardless, Thomas <laughs> and just complete and utter shit. I don't know. I, I... Yeah. 
even as much as I don't like the story, I don't care about the story of 10 for the most part. Like, 10-2 is just that much worse. And I was like, no, I don't care how good the gameplay is this time. Yeah, it, it was it was so frustrating because not only did they, like, basically Final Fantasy X ended, and it ended in a way that you cannot do a sequel. And then they tried to fish you into the second one by trying uh-huh. to make well, it. I remember the I ads for it. Because... I, don't, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to spoil yeah, anything. I remember the ending, and I remember seeing the ads for Ten too, and I was yeah. like, go to hell, Square. Yeah. Either if you're doing this, you're completely shitting on the first game's ending, and if you don't do it, you're just being manipulative assholes. That's exactly what they were. It, that's exactly yeah. what it was. It was stupid yeah. manipulative, and it was just brutal. And and they, they broke so many rules that they put in the first one, just casually. Like, like it, at the something that happened at the very end, something else other than the, the main thing, something minor happened to where something was removed from the game entirely, and they just brought him back casually in the second one. Just like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> okay. Oh, man. By the way, I just looked it up, and you're in the clear. It came out in 2003. Flexing right now, you cannot see, because this is a fucking radio podcast, but I'm flexing. One of my other disappointments was actually, along the same lines of Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, the world that that game created, Ivalis, has been used in quite a few uh, games since. And for me, one of the games I was considering, but it was a PS2 game, so I didn't want to use it, uh, was Final Fantasy XII. Oh my god, I'm so glad. Yeah, I, I, is it bad that I really want to play that game again? Just Because the storyline seemed interesting, but the play style it was It had so potential, but it was, it's an unfinished game. Like It needed another two or three years in development, which the guy behind it, it was uh, uh, got a Mitsuda. Okay. The guy behind, he was the one directing it and everything, and he was like, uh, the game's not finished, but we have to put it out anyway. Ugh. So, uh, I don't like the gameplay system. If you do try and go back to play it, uh, Jay, I would recommend looking into uh, trying to get a copy of the, uh, what's it called, the Zodiac version? I, have, I got that. I paid more for it. I paid, I was oh. so excited because I thought it was going to be a good game. And I bought the, the <laughs> Super version or whatever. And then it, I no, played it for like... No. Like, the one that you have is... Uh, the version I'm talking about wasn't released in America. Oh, Okay. There was a fr- fan translation of it done online. Uh, let me find it. Uh, Final it's Fantasy XII. Zodiac emulate. Job Story or something. And that's for Final Fantasy XII? Yeah. Wow. Well, I can't play that for the podcast, though, because it's too new. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy XII International Zodiac Job Oh, the international versions, yeah. yeah. Oh, there was, um, I just got, so Final Fantasy X, um, speaking of Final Fantasy X, a new, um, a redone version is coming out for it in, like, next month, actually, and I already ordered it. It's coming in next month. Oh, yeah. excited. It's it's So they, they made an international version of it, just like they did with Final Fantasy XII. It's so unbelievably cool from what I've read. They changed some certain things about it. They made it more difficult, and they tweaked some of the shitty dialogue, apparently, so... I'm excited. The music and the graphics are updated as well, which is kind of iffy with me because anytime I see a game where I love the music and they try to update it, it's like, ooh, like, okay, I'm good. I'd rather you go back to the to the OG, but I don't know. Well, just remember, if you go play Final Fantasy XII, don't underestimate your disappointment. <laughs> Alright. Uh, I guess it's, to me now, it's my biggest... Yeah. Classic gaming disappointment of all time. As soon as, like, this was your this was your idea, huh? 
I'm looking forward to this one. This is your well, so this, this whole this top three was your idea, right? You you were the one who correct. suggested yeah. this. As soon as you said this, like instantly, like I knew what my number one disappointment was. No question whatsoever. Oh and God, that is Star Wars Galaxies. Oh, okay. So um, all right. This game was hyped up by LucasArts so bad, and they were they made so many promises, like like a, like even like a year or it might have been even a more more than a year before the game came out. Like I would just get on their website and they had like a whole basically database of information of all the different things you would be able to do in the game, and I would just sit there and like read about everything you could do in the game, and it was like. <laughs> You, it was like they were going to be like actual, like like organic player run uh, local governments, uh, where you could like be a politician character and like all you would do was like politics in the game. Uh, it was like you could like do basically anything in the game. Like you could like you know have a house. You could like buy a you know piece of land and have a house on it, and you could like dig underground if you wanted to, and like. Like, a friend of mine and I were, like, both super hyped about this, and we were talking about, like, how we were going to, like, start a corrupt government together, and we were going to, like, have an <laughs> underground cave. Uh, like That is a great quote out of context. <laughs> we were we're going to start a government together. <laughs> we were going to have an underground cave, like, a secret underground cave connecting our houses, and, uh, and, like, it was like, they said, like, if you were a smuggler and you were smuggling something, then, like... Physically, in the like, actually in the three design of the characters, you would have to like find a spot somewhere, like in the space of the game where you're smuggling whatever it is you're smuggling, or like you know if it's in your ship, you had to like actually have a physical compartment that you could like access that you could see, uh, to you know like put the stuff in, and if like somebody was like if you were trying to smuggle something in, like it would be an actual player character who was like policing you crossing over like whatever boundary it was. And they would have to like, you know, search like visually and, and try to find your stuff. And then it was like, if you were a bounty hunter, then you could, you know, you could, you could have, you know, you, it's like you could put a mark on another character for them to get killed. And then like a, you know, if a bounty hunter character would, would be the one to go try to find them. And, uh, like, you know, of course, there were spaceships and visiting other planets and all that kind of stuff. It was like if you wanted to live in the Star Wars universe, like this, this is what it was. This is the closest you could get to that, and it was going to be just like completely wide open. Everything just like happened, like basically how it would in real life. And it was like, and this was going to be like the best game ever made, hands down, basically. And of course, what happened when uh, instead, <laughs> instead, was ba- it was like. A grind fest. It was like, oh god, like that's all it was. It was just a, it was a grind fest. None of that stuff came. Um, like so, none, none of the player-controlled governments came true. None of like the awesome buggling or bounty hunter. It was just you pick your character class, and that's that. That affects the way you do combat, and then you run out and fight like giant butterflies and like alien creatures and that kind of stuff and you level up um so not only did it like fall 100 percent short on all of its promises but the game like even what it did wasn't very good and especially when it first came out there were just a lot of problems with the game so like one of the other things was um you know in the star wars universe being a jedi is like a special thing so they were they were going to make it like 
really secret, like, really f difficult to figure out how to be a Jedi. And, like, you'd have to, like, sort of catch on to some clues and then do all these quests and, like, really go on kind of like a rabbit trail of, of following clues and doing all these things. And then, like, some people would get to be a Jedi and it was going to be a special thing. And that actually did come true. <laughs> that that actually is one promise that they stuck to for kind a while. Kind of. Well, for Not a exactly. while. But what happened was, like, since it turned out to be a combat game, like, that just sucked because, like, six months after the game, it was like, correct me if I'm wrong, Blake, but my memory, like, six months after the game came out, like, nobody had actually figured out yet how to become a Jedi at that point. I think one or two people were Jedis in the first three months, and no one else was, because no one else knew what the hell you were supposed to do. Not even those guys that became Jedis. Knew <laughs> yeah, not even them. And so, like, in the original context of the game, that would have been pretty cool, but the way it turned out, like, every, like it just pissed everybody off. So what they yeah, did... You can't make this... You can't make a system like that in a Star Wars game and not expect the entire fan base to be like, What the fuck? Yeah. I want to be a Jedi! And then so they just so so once they figured out that that wasn't working, they just opened it up to where that was a class you could pick. <laughs> well, I thought that they had. I didn't think they added it as a starting class. I think what they did, even in the beginning, I could be wrong about that. Actually, worked. from what I remember is that the way that the system worked is that when you rolled up your character, excuse me. Sorry, I had to clear my throat. Um, the way that what happened is that when you rolled up your character, six of your uh, skills were marked as Jedi requirements. But the game didn't tell you this. So what you had to do is you had to get six of your random skills completely picked at random for your class. You had to get them up to master level or something like that. And then when you got those to master level, then you could start the quest to become a Jedi or you were able to become a Jedi and the reason that it was so bad in the beginning is that nobody knew what skills they were supposed to take. Later on, I <laughs> That's think what the devs right. released a patch where they were like, okay, we'll let you know which six skills it is that you need to level up on this character. So, okay, yeah, okay, so thanks for the clarification there. So clearly, poor design. Yeah, um, just I, a bad I, idea. I read once, so, so like... So the, the game, besides its problems, it was just like it was just boring because it was just purely a grind fest. Another thing that that I read about um, right after it came out, there was this one guy um, who was like on a message board or something. I was reading about. He, he was telling about this happened to him. He so so one of the things when it first came out, um, Han Solo was in the game, and was like somewhere in the Star Wars universe. And so this, and, and you could find, it was, like, really hard to find him, but if, if you, like, really wanted to, you could eventually find him. So this one guy basically made it his life's mission in Star Wars Galaxies to find Han Solo. And the, the, this was, like, just, I say life's mission, this was, like, the first month. So he spent 100% of his time, like, tracking down Han Solo and figuring out how to go find him so he could talk to him or whatever. So after all that work, like, you know... Days or I think it took like a few weeks for him to track down Han Solo and find him. He finally got to him and found him. And uh, the NPC Han, Han Solo character wouldn't even like carry out any dialogue with him. <laughs> like he literally just found the character and like he couldn't get him to do anything. <laughs> so, so there's that. 
Um, also, like, spaceships, like, weren't, basically, or, or, I don't know if spaceships were in there, weren't in there, or if it was just, like, space travel, and, like, combat, like, that was not in the game at all. That eventually came in a patch. Yeah, uh, an expansion patch. Oh, I'm sorry, an expansion is what and, I uh, think it came out around the time of episode three. Oh, oh, really? I thought it was a little bit before that. Was this it, a computer anyway, game? That, 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 yeah, yeah. It, it was. Yeah, it was an MMO. Okay, was it an MMO? Because yes. yeah. Okay, then I've, I've seen it before. Okay, I just want to make sure. <clears throat> so, uh, okay. so, so, so that's that's pretty much it. Just uh, enormous promises. Like, like I said, I would just sit there and read the fact on this game, just, like, about, like, the developer fact, just to, like, read about all the things you could do and, like, think about what I was going to do, and then it turned out just to be not even, like, like a subpar, like, even subpar for, like, average MMOs at that time. Wow. So, huge disappointment in Star Wars Galaxy. <sighs> well, writing on a, on a good note, all this negativity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Alright, so, so that's it for our top three uh, disappointments. Let's, uh, I guess let's wrap this up. Uh, like you want to start off with your off-topic happy ending? Um, <laughs> shout-outs to Oniken, the Demon Fist. Uh, it's a game that released on Steam a little over a week ago. I played it on Cast uh, yesterday, and the game is awesome. It's basically a new. It's Ninja Gaiden, the 2D Ninja Gaiden's back on the Nintendo system but like a Blood Dragon version of it. If you guys are familiar with Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, Vaguely. it's a super over-the-top, crazy kind of Ninja Gaiden where it removes all of the extremely bullshit kind of deaths from that game, where you'll get hit by a bird, get knocked into a pit instantly. Oh, you that mean like the, like, the, like the original? Yeah, yeah the original good. 2D ones. Gotcha. And it just plays awesome. It just came out That's about cool. a little over a week ago. It's about eight bucks right now. It's a lot of fun. Um, I definitely recommend checking it out if you like the old school 2D action platformer kind of games. What's it called? Uh, Oniken. O N I K E N. Uh, means the Demon Fist. It's about uh, <clears throat> basically Kenshiro from Fist of the North Star with a sword. Going around fighting a bunch of crazy, evil robot kind of people. What is this? This is a new game. Yeah, it only came out. Uh, I, let me check the release date. See if it's on here. Um, I can't is it like a right. is a PC game? Yeah, it's a PC game, and I want to say it released last Wednesday, maybe. No, it has to be a little older than that. It's been out for a little while though. It's it's a very cool game. That's cool. Oh, I like cool. when people do that. Very throwbacky. Yeah. It even actually has one section that is it's pretty much Contra. <laughs> really? Yeah. Nice. Alright, uh Jay, you wanna go or you want me to go? I got nothing, so you go. Alright. No- okay, my uh my ra- so I'm about to get some shit for this. Uh-oh. But um so I wanna give a shout out to a game also that I just recently started playing this. Came out, I think, a year or two ago. I could be wrong on that. Uh, Fairy Solitaire. What? <laughs> have you have either of y'all heard of this game? I don't know if I could be associated with you anymore. So I've heard of some fairy games, but I I, I think <laughs> I know the name Solitaire, but I don't know anything about it. So Fairy Solitaire, I, I got this, I guess, part of some Humble Bundle or something that I got that I bought at some point. So I've had it for a little while. 
I don't think I think I got it on a fair. I think I actually got it fairly recently in bundles. Um, and I had heard a lot about it actually, but obviously it's called Fairy Solitaire, so I never like checked it out. So just kind of on a whim, I started playing it the other day, and it's actually really addictive, like embarrassingly addictive. What? So it's it's just solitaire, except like there there's like a little story. There's like a story to it where like you're I don't even know what actually don't even pay attention, but like you're in this like land of fairies or something, and like a fairy gets captured or something like that, and you got to go and you're trying to like free the fairies, and like what happens is like so there will be like. One, like one or two sentences of exposition and then you have to play solitaire and then when you like <laughs> then when you like get to certain points like win enough solitaire games then you like free the fairy and you advance to the next part of the story where you, and then you gotta play solitaire again <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you so, like, I can't even right now <laughs> so, I can't handle you right now dude but there are also some <laughs> there are some like pretty cool mechanics to the solitaire game like you'll uh like, like, the way the cards are spread out varies from game to game, and, like, sometimes you can see which cards, like, you're opening up by, by, by playing one card and, like, putting it back in the deck. <laughs> I'm just like, we're talking about solitaire right now. <laughs> and there are some where, like... It doesn't like, get much more classic than that. <laughs> There's some where, like, one row of cards will be locked by, like, some thorns until you... Like completely clear out another row that has like a flower on top of it. When you clear that row, then it'll unlock the other ones, and you can start using those. And then there's some that'll be like blocked in ice, and but there will be like a fire card on one other one. And then when you eventually unlock the fire card, then it like booms over and melts all the ice, and you can get, start using those cards. So uh... <laughs> was this before or after Windows ninety five? <laughs> and then. So, like, typically the way it goes is you'll be on a stage and you have to play, like, nine hands of solitaire and you have to get, like, you have to, like, get a certain, like, combo of, like, cards, of, like, playing eight cards in a row. You have to, like, break that combo limit and then you have to, like, actually win six of the nine solitaire games. Perfect. And then you free the fairy on that level and you go on to the next level. (laughs) Right now, I've probably been playing for about... Probably about two to three hours, and I'm like just about to beat level two, so it takes a little while. But it's uh, like I said, it's it's a little bit, of, it's embarrassingly addicting, and uh, I recommend it. Actually, embarrassingly, I, add something I think to, that's a good word choice. Yeah. I, I want to add something to my disappointed list for the week. <laughs> Robert Ring. Robert Ring. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's fair. That's what I've been doing lately. Good lord. All right, so what a way to end this one. Seriously. Uh, that's the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, as always, uh, follow us on Twitter at Class Gamescast. Uh, check, out, check us out on our website, ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Uh, my Twitter is King Octavius. Blake's is Slackaholicus. Also, check out Blake's stream, uh, twitch.tv slash Slackaholicus. Blake, what are you playing right now? No more. Um, I just played Oni Ken yesterday. I might play it again tomorrow to do the boss rush. After that, oh my god, I have so many games. Actually, one of the things I need to play through, uh, it's actually classic related, I want to play through the Bionic Commando games. Ooh, oh, cool. I like Bionic Commando. I've never played the original. You would, you would like it. I was actually, it's funny, I, I've been meaning to bring that up to you for a while. I think you would really enjoy it. It's your style of game. 
I rage just like cool. a motherfucker, but it's it's really cool. <laughs> so I want to play that, and then more recent uh, the remakes and re-releases: Bionic Commando Rearmed, which is pretty much a remake of the first one, and then Bionic Commando, which is the version of the character that's featured in Marvel vs. Capcom Three. It's like a 3D action kind of a game. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, also, make sure you give us a review on iTunes. And then again, this is we don't really care if you like us or not, but just give us a five star review anyway. We'll we'll pull an EA on you. Uh, oh, I like that. Yeah, if you want to give one one to four, then send us an email. But if you want to give us five stars, then go on to iTunes. And either way, just go ahead and give us five star review on iTunes. Um, send us your emails at mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Basically, just say whatever you want to say. Or, also, if you have a request for us to play a game, then uh, we'll take those into consideration, won't we, guys? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, because I'm, I'm actually... That's why I'm only playing one game right now, because I am actually starting to hit a wall where I'm like starting to pick and choose a little bit, so recommendations would be good. Well, uh, we can't cover this on the podcast, but if you get bored, you could buy uh, Fairy Solitaire. Oh, my God, Robert. <laughs> People t- just stop listening entirely. It's ten dollars on Steam. I don't know if I would what? buy it for ten dollars. Ten dollars? But if you get it in like a bundle or something like I did, then just play it. And basically, if you already own it, then play it. You stole my ten dollars. What the shit? Yeah, it's a little expensive. A little expensive for a solitaire game <laughs> with fairies. Uh, all right, that's it. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>